The scripture reading today is from the fourth chapter of the book of Exodus, verses 1 through 5. Then Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses said, A staff. And God said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and grasped it, and it became a staff in his hand, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This is the word of the Lord. We pastors, we have a lot of resources that they teach us about in seminary that we can go to when we want to write a sermon. We have websites, and the Methodist Church has materials that they publish. And if all else fails, there's always books, too. But after listening to this passage today, it probably comes as no surprise to you that when I started researching this passage, there's not been a lot produced in the preaching world on this passage. Sticks turning into snakes, God telling you to grab that snake by the tail. So let's try and see what we can do with this one, all right? Will you pray with me? Oh God, the three in one, you draw us into your community of love with people across ages and races and all around the world. By that same spirit that binds all of us together, We pray that you speak to us today so that your message will encourage us and stretch us so that we trust and follow you. It is through Christ we pray. Amen. So we're continuing this sermon series where we are exploring questions that God asks us through the different stories that we read in Scripture. And in our Scripture today, we encounter Moses. Now, Moses is a pretty big name for those of us who have hung around the church world for most of our lives. Moses, as a reminder, led God's people out of slavery from Egypt. He brought them to the edge of the promised land And Jesus is often referred to as the new Moses, and Paul cites part of the story of Moses over and over. So Moses has a pretty deep history with our scripture and our church. And yet, when you look at Moses and his story, it pretty much fits the profile of someone you would find behind bars in jail. I mean, think about it. He was born with a target on his back. Because Pharaoh had ordered that the midwives were to kill all of the newborn male babies that the Israelites birthed. Then he was abandoned at three months old. His life was endangered by his own mother, who sent him adrift on a river at three months old. Just imagine what would happen to a mother who tried to do that today. Surely Moses had, has earned some hours in therapy just based on that single traumatic experience. And after that, Moses was raised as the adopted foster child of a very powerful and wealthy family. But imagine Moses growing up in that palace knowing he always looked different from his family. He didn't look anything like his adoptive family. In fact, he looked more like the slaves and the the servants who cleaned and picked up for the family, the royal family. He looked more like the oppressed 
enslaved day laborers who worked to build the city in Egypt. He looked more like them than he looked like his own family. How confusing would that be to a child? And just imagine the comments that were made behind his back. And Moses, as a young man, he ran into trouble. Not just any kind of trouble, he committed homicide. He murdered someone. His victim was not a good person at all. But still, Moses took it upon himself to become the jury and the judge and the executioner. That's not okay, not then or now. And then Moses fled from the consequences. He became a fugitive of the law. So given his troubled childhood, his difficult youth, maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this part of the story. Maybe we should hold off our surprise until we read today's passage, where this fugitive who has no family, who has fled from Egypt and is now living as a foreigner, a refugee, an immigrant in the land of Midian, which is today's Saudi Arabia, where this guy, this strange foreigner from a troubled background, married a local Midianite and worked as a ranch hand for her father. And here comes the big surprise in our story. In the wilderness, this fugitive, surrounded by sheep, is the one God appears to in a burning bush. God approaches this troubled young man. Who would believe this, right? And then the conversation followed where God gave this fugitive, Moses, his orders, go gather up my people who are in Egypt. With their elders, go to the king of Egypt and tell him to let my people go. You, a murderer, a foster child, a fugitive, go back where you're a wanted man and approach the leaders of this country with these demands. Right. Now this sounds like a really great idea, doesn't it? No wonder Moses was a bit concerned. Who am I that they will listen to me? Moses asked God. What's in your hand? God asked. What's in your hand? Now Moses had five excuses that he tried to use to persuade God that God had chosen the wrong guy. First he said, I'm nobody. Now that's actually a stretch. He was somebody. He was a wanted somebody, trying to be nobody so he wouldn't get arrested. He was trying to hide from the Egyptians, from himself, and even from God. Now, we know from last week how well hiding from God works, right? His second argument, I just don't know enough about God. Now, he's probably right there. Moses spent most of his formative years living among the Egyptians. He probably knew more about the Egyptian gods like Anubis and Osiris than he knew about the gods of his birth ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His third excuse, what happens if I fail? Now, God has asked Moses to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. What happens if I fail seems like a legitimate question under the circumstances given the high pressure and the high stakes of the situation. And his fourth excuse, I don't have what it takes. 
Poor Moses. I'm not sure whose resume would contain all that was needed to sneak the enslaved people of Israel out from under their slave owner's nose. Moses had no idea what the plan was for this escapade was, but he still considered himself underqualified for whatever that future plan might be. And finally, excuse number five, someone else can do a better job. Someone, anyone would be better than me. I can't do it. You've got the wrong person. Do any of these excuses sound familiar to you? Maybe you thought one of them yourself. Maybe you've even spoken them out loud. Maybe you've used one of these lines, ignoring that, that smidge of a feeling poking at you that you should be saying yes when you're saying no. And instead, you try and persuade someone to your way of thinking. You have the wrong person, Moses said. You have the wrong person, you say. And God's response to Moses and all his accumulated self-doubt was to say, what's in your hand? God was trying to help Moses see and is trying to help us see that we already have in our hands what we need to do whatever it is God is asking us to do. God didn't place a magic wand or a crystal ball in Moses' hand. No magic flu powder or invisibility cloaks. God looked at Moses and pointed out the very same gifts that God had already given him. We are so quick to list our disabilities when all that God sees is our abilities. My whole life, people have easily opened up and trusted and talked to me. They've told me things that never, they've never told anyone else. And as a young child, as a youth, it always puzzled me. I couldn't figure out why two people, not close friends, they were just classmates in my graduating class of 100, two of them came to me in separate times and places, and they both said to me, I'm gay and I'm the, you're the first person I've told. And this was long before I really fully understood what that even meant. I surely didn't understand what the social implications were. But these two people, for whatever reason, trusted me with this information. They told me before they told anyone else, their family or their close friends. I was pretty confused back then, and I couldn't understand why people were always telling me their secrets. I surely did not see this as a gift. I was confused. And when I taught high school Latin, my students would also share things with me that they hadn't told anyone. I heard about dating problems and eating disorders, addictions. I even had one student call me on a Sunday night to tell me, his Latin teacher, that he had received a DUI the night before. He said he wanted to tell me before the police contacted the school. Wasn't he surprised when I explained that Police can't, for legal privacy reasons, tell the school anything about a minor. And even if the counselors were to somehow find out, they wouldn't have shared it with his teachers. The only way I found out was because he called and told me. Wasn't he surprised? All I wanted to do was teach Latin, but apparently that was not what God was calling me to do. God put an ability in my hand, and I used it to listen to troubled youth and help heal their hurts in this broken world. 
And as it turns out, for some reason, a lot of people continue to confide in me. I think many people feel a pastor who know, they know they can open up to, who will not judge them, but will only love them. A pastor who will keep what they say in confidence. I think people like that in their pastor. That quality that seems so strange to me as a youth and a young teacher has become a true gift for me, one I use almost on a daily basis. What's in your hand? God asked. And God didn't just rely on Moses' gifts. I think God also used Moses' life circumstances for good, for good in the broken world of Egypt. Sure, I describe Moses one way, right? An abandoned, endangered foster child who ended up in a life of crime. But think about it for a second. Moses' race enabled him to gain the trust of the Israelites when he went back to tell them, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. He looked like them. Moses' experience growing up as a foster child in the Egyptian palace gave him just the knowledge he needed of governmental politics and protocol. He would have been among the few people, maybe the only Israelite since the days of Joseph, who could both earn the trust of the Israelites and who could navigate the palace judicial system to gain access to Pharaoh. How unique was that? And then you combine it with Moses' day as a sheep herder in the wilds of Midian. Just think of all the survival skills he must have learned that he could use while leading the Israelites in the wilderness to the promised land. Just think of how he knew about medicinal plants and safe passages and where to find shelter and water, not to mention how to shepherd a sometimes stubborn and reluctant flock into doing the right thing. Who else would have had the, the unique background and experiences that Moses had for this job? It's like... God planned it from the very beginning or something, from the moment Moses was knit in his mother's womb. Each one of us here has walked through life with different events and people we encountered shaping who we are sitting today here in this room. Our choices, our backgrounds have prepared us to be in this space together. And I ask you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand that's a part of your past experiences that God might want you to use to shape the broken world outside? Your biggest regret in your life, God can take that and transform it into something that can help you help someone else. So what's in your hand? The final thing God gave Moses, and I think God gives most all of us, is our own sense of inadequacy. The tasks which God calls us to often seem impossible and way beyond our reach. Moses certainly felt that way, and Moses did not hesitate to point it out to God. But the thing is, in my experience, both in reading scripture as well as just my personal observation, one of the surest ways to know that a call has come from God is when you catch yourself thinking, no way. That's impossible for me to do. What matters from there is, is what we choose to do with that realization. 
our discovery of our own inadequacy. We can allow it to paralyze us, and I think we often do, but then our excuses win. They carry the day. Or we can let our own sense of inadequacy lead us to a greater dependence on God. We realize it's not about us and what we can or can't do. We realize it's, a, what, it's about what God can do through us. And we let go. And that's exactly what Moses did. He took it seriously when God promised to be with him every step of the way. And Moses began following God's instructions one by one, even when they were as bizarre as picking up the tail of a snake. So what's in your hand? Beware that answering God's question could be the start of an amazing journey for you, a journey where a dirty, worn stick becomes a tool of transformation in God's world. Because God wants each one of us to use every tool around us to help ease that hurt that's out there in the world. Just as God used Moses some 3,000 years ago, God can easily use you, your abilities, your experiences, and yes, even your inadequacies to bring hope and healing everywhere. Amen. As the ushers come forward and we pray for the offering this morning, I want to remind you of the electronic giving cards in the back of the chair pockets. And also that we want these baskets to rest in every pair of hands in this room this morning as we lift to God all the ways we give back, including by your very presence this morning. Also, as we pray, I just want to invite you to open your hands and lay them gently on your lap, palms up, and fingers open. God, we thank you for this day, for all the gifts that you have given us. And today, with our palms facing up and open, we ask that you help us know which gifts you've given us that you would like us to use out as we go into the world. What is it that we have that we can use to help other people? God, we lift these gifts and all others to you in the hope that you will guide us in their use. Amen.